Hey everyone, um, there will be themes of sexual trauma throughout this entire episode, so please listen with your well-being in mind. Thank you. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Spiders Have Sex. Uh, this is Sam, um, y'all know me. Uh, today, we're going to be joined by Grace and Jordan Jones. Oh wait, Hi. sorry, your last name, Van Huit? Is that Hootie. Vood Hootie. Hootie. Oh, that's like way cooler than I expected it to be. Okay, cool. <laughs> I saw it spelled and I was like, oh, okay. But um, today we're going to be talking about uh, sex, gender, and disabilities. Um, and so, yeah. So we'll start off by giving a brief introduction of ourselves. And then maybe we'll talk about the topic in brief. And then maybe we'll go into other things from there. So, yeah. First off, I'm Samuel Ghali. Um, Y'all know me. I use any and all pronouns. Uh sex and gender wise still just sort of going with the flow um my major is i study psychology with a minor in health studies and then i guess we're gonna we're just gonna talk about like what country you want to visit the most i i kind of want to visit russia uh just because like it just i don't know russia has cool film and like i, I read i read a lot of like russian literature as well and it just sounds awesome um so, yeah, just for, like, the art stuff, but that's about it. So, yeah, I don't know. Any y'all want to go next? My name's Jordan Jones. I use she, her pronouns. I major in Latin American Iberian Studies, Global Studies, and Political Science. Oh, my God. With minors <laughs> in a woman gender sexuality studies and Luso-Brazilian studies. Oh and I really want to visit Mexico. Mm. Cool. I applied for a Fulbright there, so oh, tune really? in if I get the Fulbright. Oh, that's awesome. And don't talk to me if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Grace Van Hootie. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a biology major with a concentration in neuroscience and a WGSS minor. Wow. Um, Pop off. <laughs> thank you. Uh, if I could visit a place, it'd probably be Thailand. Ooh. It's where my parents got married, and I see tons of photos, and I really want to go. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's and also, like Grace is a, Grace is a freshman. Jordan and I are both seniors. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Senior. You have it more organized than I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's incredible. She's really that. got it together. Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> so yeah, this so this episode is going to be uh, covering again like sex, gender, and how that interacts with disabilities, either physical or mental disabilities. That being said, we will be talking about some serious conversations regarding uh, sexual trauma and trauma in general. We'll also be talking about uh, different levels of experiences. Of course, you guys are tuning into a sex-positive podcast, which means we will be talking about sex. Um, but we'll try to give you a, a trigger warning if anything that we feel as if might warrant that comes up. Um, we'll do our best. Okay. But yeah, with that being said, I guess we'll start off with Grace. Like. Grace, do you, do you mind telling us a little bit more about what your disability is? And Yeah, so um, I have a chronic neurological disability, so I have chronic regional pain syndrome. I'll probably abbreviate it to CRPS throughout the podcast. Um, I got first diagnosed when I was 13, 12 or 13 years old. Um, I had a blood clot in my brain, and it took us several months to figure that out. But first, my symptoms kind of started off very acutely. I just had a purple leg. Nothing wrong with that. Just wow. a little bit of discoloration. And then one nothing day... Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take a funky-looking leg. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then one day I woke up and I was just in an intense amount of pain. Mm. 
And my parents were like so confused as a parent is because my parents always just wanted to fix the problem. Yeah. Even though they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, but in total, it took me about nine months to actually get diagnosed. I was going in and out of inpatient, outpatient hospitals, mm-hmm. taking every test pretty much known to man. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it went from acute pain to astronomically like intense pain of where I feel like my leg is like on fire. Mm-hmm. It's like a burning sensation mm-hmm. pretty much 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, like, I'm very, like, guarded of mm-hmm. my leg because if someone touches it, yeah. it, like, sends me into a spiral or, like, a relapse. I'll probably use those two interchangeably. Yeah. But of where, like, my pain will become a lot worse. Yeah. Um, and that has caused me to be in and out of a wheelchair, in and out of crutches. Um, a lot of my symptoms very much, like, fluctuate. Yeah. So I, like, experience times where I'm, like, physically disabled like Mm -hmm. you can see me i'm in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. and there are times where i'm like invisibly disabled where Mm -hmm. right now knock Mm -hmm. on wood um i'm able to walk around campus and look like i don't know an able-bodied person exactly and and i also want to point out that like you mentioned earlier on when we had this conversation earlier Mm -hmm. that like talking about your disability can lead to like some feelings of it like coming up or anything like that. So like if you need a moment during the podcast, like just know that you're allowed to have that and that will give you that space to do yeah. that. So thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for sharing. Of course. Jordan, do you want to maybe explain a little bit about what? Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, trigger warning, I will be talking about like past mental health experiences um, that I experienced like through childhood and high school and how it affected me today and like what I deal with today. Because I feel like while a lot of my um, mental health like disorders are chemical they're mm-hmm. also at the same time as much environmental as yeah. they are chemical mm-hmm. as I feel like that is the case with most people mm-hmm. who even like are considered like I don't want I want to say like healthy mm-hmm. mental health wise because yeah. everyone everyone experiences like a mental health problem at some point in their lives yeah and like it might not necessarily be chemical it could be environmental but that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you aren't experiencing that yeah and that like it is not completely like valid to you so i like to consider like both parts when i like explain my story yeah so it started out i was a pretty anxious kid but like nobody in my family had ever been diagnosed with anything like mental health wise Mm -hmm. that i knew of so my mom thought I was just a little funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, like, also the first kid. So, like, I was the first kid in, like, the whole generation. Like, wow, yeah. They were, like, I didn't know. I was just <laughs> the, I was the guinea pig. Um, so, like, I went on, and when my grandfather died when I was seven, I started feeling, like, extreme anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point, like, it was, like, affecting my life. Mm-hmm. And my mom, like, I went in and out of therapy, but, like, my, my mom didn't fully understand mm-hmm. That you have to be, like, continuously in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. She didn't know. She didn't know. Um, but eventually, in high school, like, my mental health, like, very rapidly declined because mm-hmm. I was, like, I went to a 93% white school. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was very overwhelmed with the amount of, like, stereotypes that were pushed onto me. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I had to blend in, like... I'm mixed black Mm -hmm. and white and like my body looks my body's very curvy Mm -hmm. and like I didn't feel comfortable in high school because like a lot of the other girls didn't have curvy 
bodies like that. Mm. So, like, I, like, went on, like, this, like, idea of, like, losing weight and, mm. like, controlling my yeah. body. Trigger warning, eating disorder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was that I really hit, like, rock bottom in high school. And then my mom was like, oh, like, this is, like, not normal. Like, she's yeah. a little more than just weird. Mm-hmm. So, like, we, like, I went and did, like, an IOP program. Mm-hmm. And they diagnosed me, actually, with depression, generalized anxiety, PTSD, and anorexia. Mm-hmm. But we later found out, like, freshman year of college that it was, like, actually not depression. It was, like, bipolar disorder. Yeah. Which I'll get into, like, how that affected me. Yeah. Like, it, like, ex- it affected yeah. my sex life a lot. Yeah. Like, and having bipolar disorder. The overlap between bipolar disorder yeah. and Yeah, and all those and other, all things other things is, is like, like, it was, it was a lot. Yeah. And, like, because I had experienced some sexual trauma in high school, mm-hmm. and then even more in college, like, mm-hmm. the PTSD, mm-hmm. like, never, like, fully, like, I did trauma groups and stuff, but, mm-hmm. like, it's always, like, a fluctuation. Yeah. yeah. Like, sometimes... That's a good way to phrase it. Right. Yeah. Like, sometimes I'm good, and then sometimes, like, I'll see a little thing, and it'll just, like, send me into a spiral, and, like, I can't do work the rest of the day, yeah. and I can't focus on anything else. Yeah. So, like, that's how, like, that, like, affects me. So, like... Yeah. I definitely, like, do have some chemical imbalances up there, yeah. and I take medicine for it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, I feel like at this point in my life, I've done enough therapy to know that, like, it's not even the chemical stuff that's affecting me right now. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the environmental things yeah. that I'm environmental experiencing. Environmental demands. And also, yeah. like, the stress of being in college. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's not, it's exactly. not easy. Yeah. And that right. stuff definitely interacts with, like, I mean, like, most symptoms from any mental health disorder usually overlaps pretty like quite heavily with stress. Like mm-hmm. if you have like schizophrenia and you're stressed, mm-hmm. your symptoms get more amplified. If you exactly. have ADHD and stress, those, and it sort of goes the same way. I'm sure with like bipolar mm-hmm. disorder, and of course, when coming to sex, I mean it's a whole different yeah. category. If if you're someone who experiences those things and may have had an incident where you maybe have not had the best sexual experience, then you're going into that relationship and you're going to that experience with that, those levels of stress and anxiety. So yeah. I guess like one of the things I'm gonna ask you both, um, and maybe we can start with Grace if you're comfortable, but like, can you talk about like how maybe your disability has like, how you've like learned to navigate sex with your disability and maybe how that affects, maybe we can start with like, um, well, maybe we can just, however you, however you interpret that. If, okay. you, if you want me to be more specific, I could be, but it's, it's however you want. Yeah. Yeah. So at least for me, a lot of my disability gets heightened through the physical touch mm-hmm. of my leg. Mm-hmm. So I'm very like guarded. I don't know if you like, mm-hmm. I, my leg is like <laughs> as far away from you guys as room. possible. <laughs> yeah. Be- yeah. Um, but so that causes me to like be very guarded and very like afraid of mm-hmm. any sort of physical touch i i love hugs whatnot but like when it becomes more like physical mm-hmm. than like the typical friend yeah i i have to like advocate for myself yeah. faster than the average person yeah which um has had me be very like vulnerable yeah quicker mm-hmm. in situations mm-hmm. like regret oh my gosh <laughs> regarded to my sex life yeah so i feel like it at least has, like, impacted how much I have to, like, advocate for myself and speak up mm-hmm. because – or else it they could possibly trigger a relapse for me. Yeah. And I have to, like, put a lot of trust in the person that I'm, like, participating in any yeah. sexual act with. Yeah. 
And yeah. establishing that trust is like, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. a whole different. Like, that's like that's a challenging thing to do. You have to be extremely vulnerable with yeah. that type. And when it, again, like when it comes to sex, like there is like a portrayal in like movies and porn in general that's like like sex. You just mm -hmm. go it, like you just, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like, and it's like spontaneous. Yeah, it's spontaneous for me. Like I can't be spontaneous in my yeah. sex life. I feel like I feel like I have to like yeah. really plan it out and like talk about it yeah. before too. I can engage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like I have to get to these days. I feel like I have to more than in the past, like, get mm. to know a person, like, very yeah. well. Yeah, Before I'm, like, very extremely, like, comfortable with it. Yeah. I'm, like, even if we, like, do have sex for the first time, that doesn't even mean I'm, like, that comfortable with it. Like, yeah. I, over time, I become more comfortable with it. Yeah. Like, even, like, on first encounters, it is hard for me. Yeah. And, like, my first, like, sexual, like, mm -hmm. Assault was when I was like 17. Mm -hmm. So I was like pretty young at that time. My brain mm -hmm. was still like forming mm -hmm. and like I'm a very emotional person mm -hmm. Especially in high school. I was very vulnerable like mm -hmm. I was going through all that stuff mm -hmm. and it was like a time where My mind could be molded mm -hmm. by people mm -hmm. and I was very easy to take advantage of mm -hmm. so like even mm -hmm. though I was expressing like that I was did not want what was happening like at mm -hmm. that time when that like wasn't respected and made me feel so defeated that yeah. made it really hard for me to advocate for myself like in the like year following yeah or the, even like the two years following even yeah. till today yeah. even and like that affected me mm -hmm. so much that like when like i i like still think about it like yeah. to this day yeah and even then it's like sex again is like something that like trust, I hope is like an essential part of everybody's sexual experience because like it does, at least in my experience, like it definitely does heighten the experience. Like, you want to feel comfortable when you're like in that experience, and like if if you're not comfortable, then I think it also gets in the way of like a lot of pleasure. So like I don't know how like if y'all are willing to talk a little bit more about like how maybe y'all's disability gets in the way of like experiencing pleasure, or if yeah. it does, or how y'all navigate those spaces. Um, like that would be interesting. How do y'all feel? As yeah, if that, yeah. I'm not sure if Jordan. One of my, um, I felt like, like kind of like what you said, Grace. Like setting boundaries with people, mm -hmm. um, like being very vulnerable, and sometimes like knowing that that person can't handle it as well. Mm -hmm. Like talking, like I've had times where I've talked to the people about like the sexual trauma I've experienced, and they're mm -hmm. like sorry yeah like that's a lot I, yeah like, that's a lot yeah. i can't do with it yeah and that sucks and yeah. that's weird yeah. like it's not weird that sucks and it's like their experience and it's my experience yeah and it like feels like a sort of rejection yeah. almost mm -hmm. that like my experience isn't valid yeah but in terms of like pleasure mm -hmm. because of that and because like i've been told that by mm -hmm. people mostly by men <laughs> <laughs> not mostly all by men yeah. <laughs> um I sometimes, like, there are days where, like, I cannot be touched. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell people, like, please do not touch me. Like, mm -hmm. I can't. Yeah. And, like, when those days are like that, like, I don't experience pleasure. Like, yeah. like when we talked in the Spouses class mm -hmm. about, like, how touch can affect you. Yeah. I wasn't there. I oh, was, you weren't there? Oh, class. my gosh. That was the best class ever. Yeah. And I, I was, like. From, like, everyone. Yeah. I was, like, it made me think. I had never thought, like, how long it takes for you to cognitively process being touched. Mm -hmm. So, like, the second someone touches you, it takes a half second for your brain to realize that you've been touched. Mm -hmm. So, like, you, like, it, like, manifests in your mind. Yeah. And then, like, you can't control your reaction. Yeah. Like, your brain is realizing the chemicals are already, like, 
going through your brain before you realize what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So like that is a shock. Yeah, you're processing the reaction. You're processing yeah. the reaction. Yeah. yeah. And like I was wondering maybe Grace if you felt that like yeah. if someone like for example like touches your leg and then you're like realizing and then you're like jumpy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So the touch is like if I feel someone touching like below mm-hmm. my knee, below my leg, mm-hmm. like I will stop everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. And yeah. And, like, it does take me a while to, like, process what's going on. Mm-hmm. But my first reaction is, like, knowing something is, like, yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, when I've been in that situation, like, my partner would be, like, are you okay? What's going on? And yeah. I, like, can't speak mm-hmm. because yeah. I'm so, like, taken off guard and shocked and trying to, like, process what is going on. Yeah. And me. that totally plays into mental health, too. Yeah, yeah. it definitely does. No, my, my disability has definitely played a role into my mental health. Like, mm-hmm. I've been diagnosed with depression uh-huh. since the age of 14 wow. because of my disability. Mm. Um, but going back to, like, the physical touch aspect of it, mm. like, I've like I've said, I've had to be very vulnerable and open about it. Mm. But there are days where, like, I can't be touched anywhere either because mm. mine can spread. It's spread up to my arms. Wow. It's spread up. Wow. Wow. It, yeah. It, like, can manifest in different parts of my body as well. Yeah. So, like, there's been times where it's been in both legs, one arm, like, in my yeah. stomach. When it's yeah. in my stomach, it is so bad, let me yeah. tell you. <laughs> um, but, yeah. yeah. And there's also just, like, the times of where, I don't know, like, yeah. the vulnerability itself is very scary. Yeah. Communicating. The communication is, yeah. is terrifying. Yeah, exactly. Oh my! <laughs> like no, J- J- I, 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 I think like so, like, I think for me personally, like, I, I'm someone who like, like, I don't think, like, I, I guess like I'm still sort of processing like my neurodivergence as a whole, but like, I think that, like when I even when I go into like experiences of sexual encounters, I do have like a really hard time getting warmed up and comfortable with a person, and like I've realized more and more that like, as much as I try to like think like, oh, I can like, I can like have sex on the first go or like like you know what I mean like I can like oh I can like talk to people and like pretend like everything is like great and like be like I'm like a vulnerable person in general but I still think that like sex requires a whole nother level of vulnerability mm-hmm. and it's like even the thought of like being that being betrayed like at the end of that or like that being like taken advantage of or removed entirely is like something that I'm I'm encountering recently but it's also like something that's just like whoa like that's a thing that exists and now it's an anxiety that exists yeah. and it's like Woo, yeah, no, like, and I, and I think that's like it's interesting because I, I do think that like by design, like we like I think human beings learn best from being vulnerable with each mm-hmm. other and like sharing our experiences in a way that makes sense to us. And it's like mm-hmm. you know going into a conversation with like no fear of judgment or or anything like that or any, or any fear of like of like reprimand, I guess is the word I'm gonna use. And it's like like a sexual experience is one that's like super important to I think well. I think it's like it's important to me, and I think it's it's important for a lot of people. Like enhancing your sex life is like a it should be like a hobby that most people experience, mm-hmm. and I think it's a good thing to experience because um, it is a really good way to experience pleasure and to navigate your world. Um, I mean, there are also downsides of it. I'm not gonna type it up all the time, but in this podcast, I'm gonna pretend like it's every something that everyone. <laughs> but um, I do think that like it does sort of like I don't know like I, I guess like the communication is like a centerpiece of like finding pleasure in sex but it also is one that's like i guess it's also one that can lead to like a lot of anxiety when it comes to sex like if you don't if mm-hmm. you don't know how someone's going to handle something or if you don't know how someone's going to like treat or or value if they're going to take care of the information that you give them either it's mm-hmm. and also like some people 
aren't looking for that sake of vulnerability when it comes to sex. Sometimes they like sometimes there's a relationship of like being used when it comes mm -hmm. to sex and that's one that's like even more terrifying because like like that is a fear that i think well i mean we can talk about this a little bit more but like i think someone with like a physical disability in general does have that problem of being like fetishized and like people do look at those individuals with like a sense of like oh like like this person has a, has a disability and like that is like something that I want to take advantage of and so mm -hmm. like, I don't know if you want to like maybe yeah. express like a little build on that because I think you know a little bit more about me than that but like do you want to talk a little bit more about like that sort of anxiety of being like fetishized or taken advantage of as someone with yeah a disability? so like the rates of people who have physical disabilities mm -hmm. like they're astronomically higher rates of abuse mm -hmm. and like exactly like taken advantage of mm -hmm because they're seen as like such vulnerable and dependent people. Yeah. Where like, I mean, a lot of people who have physical disabilities have people that take care of them all the time. And yeah. They need someone to help them do daily life tasks. Yeah. And like caretakers or family members and whatnot take advantage mm -hmm. of them yeah. in their vulnerable state. Mm -hmm. Where luckily I haven't been taken advantage of in that way of like being vulnerable and having someone like to take care of me for every daily task. Mm -hmm. But definitely like the rates of people who have disability, like physical disabilities mm -hmm. get abused more often than yeah, not, yeah. especially in women too. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I, I'm reminded, so there's a, there's, uh, I'm a big fan of Patricia Taxon, who's a YouTuber, Tumblr user, and also just like an all around awesome person. Um, but she is autistic um, and, she goes into a lot of depth and she's like a really, she's just someone on the internet who's like been very vulnerable with her experiences and like her identities and like navigating uh, political and like media discourses. Like she's awesome. I can't, I can't recommend Patricia Taxon enough. Everyone should watch Patricia Taxon. But um, you know, she, she does talk a lot about how like growing up autistic and growing up in those spaces where um, like like different forms forms of like neuroatypicality, even those are like fetishized and like like weaponized against the individual. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's like it's like deeply unfortunate that I think that people who are already under like so much pressure and to navigate like a social world have to like navigate the extremity of like worrying about whether they're being taken advantage of or or, or mm -hmm. like in general it's like it's like the idea of like a, a power imbalance being present like knowing that at any moment you could be taken advantage of or knowing that like that there's like that there's that like that 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 relationship of power that's like already being like you're just enter when you enter into a space like there is a relationship of power where like you feel as if like you're under or like like i don't know like, and i think sex is like one of those things that like it definitely does become a lot more um intense and i also want to talk about like maybe like gender identity too like Patricia taxon is a transgender woman and also a furry and uh, she prefers in dialogue to go by she, her pronouns, but in other settings, specifically media settings, like she prefers to be called it. Um, or even like she says, good boy is like another thing that she, she enjoys being called. But she, she notes a lot of that has to do with like her experience as an autistic person, namely that throughout her entire life, she had been treated as less than human. And that's how she quotes it. She says that I have, not been able to relate to people as human beings and therefore why would i see myself as such and so she says i find comfort and like warmth in being seen as a furry and as something le like quote unquote she uses the term like quote unquote less than human 
because that is how I felt and that's how I've believed I've been treated. And that's, and like, she's like, I find community and space with other people who have been treated as less than human. Mm -hmm. And so that relationship mm -hmm. between, I mean, again, this like brings up a lot of theory into like, like how people with disabilities are treated in those settings. But yeah, I, I've, I've gone on a tangent for quite some time, but I'm not sure if y'all have any <laughs> thoughts on that. But that, that's just like one of those things I think is like deeply disturbing. And again, like, I think everyone needs to be considerate about that and also be concerned about how we treat people with disabilities because at any second, like any of us could, any of us could become disabled. It's, it's one of the only marginalized identities yeah. that yeah. anybody mm -hmm. could become. Exactly. Yeah, so. Yeah, because like your state of abledness is always so fragile. Yes, exactly. it is. Yeah. Where like people can't really change their race right. yeah. and other different like characteristics of themselves, but yeah. like, you can't choose to change your able bodiness, but mm -hmm. yeah. the environment around you can easily change that. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. I was exactly. wondering if, if we could talk a little bit more about like the idea of the perception that like like people with disabilities tend to be like asexual or that they like have like some sort of like like I was wondering if like if any of y'all had any thoughts on like why that might be the case because I think in pop culture it's usually the it's usually the opinion and I think in like in like media we see this a lot where like people with disabilities are like and especially in, like TV shows are like oh like they're just not like they're they just can't not. get the girl they can't get exactly. what yeah like, exactly mm -hmm. I think that reminds me of like like I mentioned earlier like mm -hmm. sometimes with men especially not mm -hmm. that it's like not everyone but mm -hmm. men especially mm -hmm. when I've talked about like how my disability affects me and how mm -hmm. I need them to proceed to make me feel comfortable mm -hmm. um and that makes them uncomfortable yeah I've noticed and heard a lot of men when they know a woman has experienced sexual trauma mm -hmm. are like not attracted to that yeah. and like say, like, oh, if she has, like, a case that she's, like, brought a case against someone that, like, I can't mess with her because what she doesn't. I hear that a lot. That's terrible. That's, that awful. happens a lot. I heard that in conversation last week. Wow. Like, I, yeah, like, that is a real thing. And that's what, like, what you said made me think about. Like, it's just, it's very, like, the way people, like, are uncomfortable and mm. i think the me too mo movement helped yeah mm. yeah but like people are still very uncomfortable with talking about sexual trauma yeah where it's perpetrated how it's manifested yeah and how you deal with it afterward yeah. Yeah. that like it's very a closed off environment and like it's hard to talk about it it's so taboo mm -hmm. and a lot of times it looks really bad not that not that everyone doesn't experience mm -hmm. sexual assault, but women and mm. especially trans women yeah. experience very high rates of sexual yeah. assault. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I could count the amount of women that I know that haven't experienced sexual assault on wow. one hand. Wow. I really don't. And it just leads to like, like continuing symptoms, mm -hmm. like dealing with, after, like, the trauma I experienced when I was a kid, mm -hmm. I did some research, and it shows that, like, childhood sexual trauma leads to, like, very serious, like, mental health yeah. problems after the fact. Very much, Like, yeah. EDs, suicidal mm -hmm. thoughts, mm -hmm. like, for me, a personality disorder, bipolar, mm -hmm. that's chemical, but, like, it's also, yeah. like, and, like, it PTSD, yeah. yeah, and, like, generalized anxiety, like, just, yeah. like, always being alert, like, yeah. scared that you're gonna 
see the person who um, yeah. violated you. Yeah. Like, I don't feel comfortable walking through campus a lot of the time. Yeah. Because, like, I'm always on constant alert. Like, I feel this campus is so suffocating because mm. I'm always worried I'm going to see someone that has, like, yeah. violated me in that yeah. way. And, yeah. like, when I do see them, mm. it makes me, like, freeze. Yeah. And, like, it affects me for the rest of the day, usually. Yeah. And it's not because I haven't processed what happened. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of work on processing what happened. Yeah. And, like, trauma group. And, like, yeah. I did partial hospitalization program. Wow. Like, I took extensive steps to make yeah. myself be okay with the yeah. situation. And also to, like, continue navigating school. Yeah, but like, things, like, yeah. bring it back up. Yeah, and like. Definitely. Walking across campus not being comfortable is just not a good feeling. Yeah. And also, like, makes me be, like, in terms of being asexual mm. on this campus, like, I'm not an asexual person at all, but, like, mm. I would never engage with sex with someone on this campus. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Like, ever again, at yeah. least. Yeah. Like, because it's so uncomfortable. It's such a small, closed-off space. Yeah. Like, there's a lack of control because mm-hmm. we don't have good education. You, we yeah. shouldn't even have to be educating about consent, but we yeah. don't have good education on we it. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand the very basic concept. Yeah. Or I don't even know if it's they don't understand or if yeah. it's they don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is why the podcast is like something that we felt like it was necessary. This is the yeah. foundation of why mm-hmm. it was made. It was like because people aren't having these conversations. People aren't taking the time to process it. Yeah. People don't show enough care and consideration into this. And this is why like we felt like spaces of vulnerability are like essential for us to be able to learn about this stuff so yeah like i will i would be lying if i said like i was sitting here like really comfortable right now yeah yeah like i'm definitely not like i feel myself like even talking about it like not that i don't want to be talking about it i'm very open about it Mm -hmm. but like i feel myself like coloring like dissociating (laughs) like being like feeling just like generally like uneasy yeah so like those the fact that those are like coming up every day yeah it like makes it hard to be a student to like want to engage with my friends to like want to engage in sex at all with anyone yeah yeah i appreciate your vulnerability like exceptionally thank you yeah and i i I do think i I generally like i do think like again this this podcast is something that like we don't want to put anybody in like any sort of harm's way or anything like that so if you yeah i'm definitely good yeah but also like that made me think like Mm -hmm. about queerness Mm -hmm. I'm, like, I've become so, like, I'm pansexual, but I've become so, like, grossed out by men. That, like, I, like, literally, like, the thought of, like, the thought of it is just, like, appalling to me. Yeah. Like, I would only, like, I would only, like, have sex with other queer people right right now, probably. And I think it's also interesting because, like, the the cult, because I am someone who's, like, born as a man and I think I'm still sort of navigating that space about how I want to work with my Mm -hmm. gender identity but like I am someone who's like in common circumstances and in most social environments I am treated as a man and I I I, I'm very much aware of like the fact that like a lot of men are in environments where they're not being they're they're taught not to value conversations around Mm -hmm. vulnerability or openness and they're also taught to like disregard lots of experiences that may not fit the norm or the cultural expectations that are set up around them and I think that is just like, I think that that's, I think Bell Hooks also talks about it in The Will to Change, but I do think that's like one of the things where we need to remind men that being vulnerable and being open is a 
big part of what the experience of like love mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pleasure comes from and that is like a big reason why and also i mean this is this is going to be a wild jump but i do think that this this is relevant i think that like people can also experience sexual yes sexual pleasure through being vulnerable and being open with other people as like odd as that sounds people without genitals still experience orgasms mm-hmm. people without even touch even i mean like mm-hmm. I want to remind everybody that like an orgasm is not something that occurs in like in like what we can traditionally see like the body. It's it's something that occurs it's in the brain. mind. It's a brain function. If you all you need is a brain to have an orgasm. Um, but again, we have this conception like oh like it revolves around our genitals and like yeah like there's a whole entire space of navigating that. But I I also just think that like because like I, I watched I watched a documentary Crip Camp. Yes. Um, and it was like, it was really eye opening for me and it was really engaging for me because I do think that a lot of the times, like the conversations around um, sex for people with disabilities tends to go in the direction of like, oh, like, um, like, <laughs> like, oh, like y'all, y'all, like we don't need to worry about like them, like, like experiencing or engage. Like, I think like one of the statistics that blows my mind is like, I think that disability, disability, like academics, was a very recent thing. I think it was like in the last twenty years, maybe mm-hmm. it's like when the first things started happening. And then also regarding that, as like before that point in time, like people with disabilities were not even like considered sexual agents. Like mm-hmm. yeah. they weren't even like talked about. Like people, and same thing with people in like 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 with like mental mental health mental health clinics. Like they also weren't. They were like, oh, like they just don't feel attraction they don't have rights to it they don't they don't they can't they shouldn't be allowed to like engage in like sexual behavior whatsoever um and like there are people and like like there is like an there is like an argument of like like okay well these people have the right to have sex and these people should be allowed to have sex and so a lot of the times like and this is a modern thing is like where they're facilitated sex like people like people who are facilitated to have sex with people who have disabilities and there's that space of it being seen as like a necessity or something that's like needed in order for like people to express themselves and to like still experience physical and sexual pleasure um but up and like and like these people are like now sponsored by the government uh thankfully um but up until that point in time like those that was just not something that was actively being Mm -hmm. considered or something that was being treated with like it was just assumed that if you were in those environments and you just weren't allowed to, or you just didn't feel that sort of yeah. like sexual pleasure or anything like yeah. that. Um, and I still think that like, again, like, like we're still sort of navigating the repercussions of that where a lot of people um, who experience sexual pleasure are forced into, I guess, um, like different sort of circles where they may not be able to practice sex healthily. And this is where we, I think we get like, like statistics of like, okay, like people with disabilities being severely mistreated in in abusive Mm -hmm. environments because they're not given ample time to experience what true pressure could feel like. And they're not given an ample space to like explore their sexuality and what that could look like in a healthy environment. Um, So yeah, and I think that also like, it also comes with like, we need to like inform like able-bodied and neurotypical people as well, because I think that like the rise of like inter-abled relationships are becoming a much more common yeah. and like I think that like Dr. Schneider talked told me about this on like the first day but like also Dr. Schneider is like incredible but um, <laughs> love of, him yeah genuinely I, like um but one of the things that we talked about was like when he was first getting to because he's in an inter-abled relationship when he was talking to his wife I think he says that he had set up occasions with him and his wife where he would 
sit down and you'd be like, okay, like my wife can ask me anything, like anything regarding as long as she's interested, as long as she's vulnerable, like 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 anything yeah. regarding like my how I experience pleasure, anything regarding like how I and you know, like like he also talked and he mentioned like how like fulfilling and how freeing that was mm. and, and how important that was in yeah. like an interable relationship because that's just not things that are being talked about once yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Um, Court Schneider is actually my professor. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I have. So jealous. I love him. <laughs> um, and he was like, he's been very vulnerable with our mm. class. Our, I'm in an FYS with him, mm. Rise of the Crips, Disability awesome. Movements in the United cool. States. <laughs> yeah. And um, he was very vulnerable with us about how a lot of his past relationships, one of the first questions they ever asked him would be like, so can you have sex? Wow. 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 Like, I feel like you don't go up and ask anyone that. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah. Like, what makes you think you can ask a physically disabled person that? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Genuinely, no. Yeah, you're You would never ask someone that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. In conversation, like, the... That's absurd. Yeah. Where all I've... All of my past, like, sexual relationships have all been inter-abled relationships. Mm Mm-hmm. That I know of. I don't know. <laughs> Unless people haven't, like, shared that with me. Um, but for me, like, there's been states of time where I've been, like, sexually active while mm-hmm. I've been in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's definitely something that, like, partners have asked me about. Wow. Wow. But we were, like, partners. Like, yeah. we were together. Yeah. It makes more sense than yeah. just a random person asking yeah. me. Yeah. But I feel like it's people are expecting physically disabled people to like just completely not be a part of the sexual community where earlier you brought up crip camp yeah and um that's like oh for if anyone doesn't know it was like a summer camp for a bunch of like hippies pretty much (laughs) just ran a big summer camp yeah where families would just send their disabled kids away to like enjoy the actual like life of going to a summer camp yeah because mm-hmm. many disabled kids mm-hmm. aren't able to experience that like yeah. what people call like right. a typical yeah. like summer uh-huh. exactly. as yeah. a child yeah. and a lot of these kids finally first had their like first experience of like a kiss or like yeah. any sexual mm-hmm. expression at all mm-hmm. because they were surrounded by disabled people yeah where in that community, everyone was disabled. So yeah. no one yeah. ma- no one yeah. cared. Exactly, yeah. Where in their yeah. high schools and their middle schools, yeah. no one seemed them at, saw them as attractive yeah. because they were yeah. the disabled kid. Yeah. Where I feel like just a lot of people don't, ex- like, like yeah. you said, they don't expect mm-hmm. disabled people to have any sort of sexual expression or yeah. relationships at all. Yeah. And it's even, I, I do think it's like, it's it's even more incredible to think about what a state of belonging and not feeling like an odd one out can do for people. Mm. Because genuinely, like, the sort of stress and anxiety that you navigate while feeling like you're the odd one out in any sort of setting is like, in my opinion, I think it's like a form of torture. Like, I genuinely do think <laughs> mm-hmm. it is. And I think, like, not being able to explore your identity and your relationship with other people in, like, an open and, like, non-judgmental way is, like, one that I think I I just genuinely think that like the world would be a lot better and I'm getting a little bit existentialist right now but like the world would be a lot better if we just like like genuinely just like opened ourselves up to other people's experiences and like Mm -hmm. genuinely just considered people's experiences and found ways to navigate relationships with respect and like kindness and generosity so 
I think Crip Camp, Crip Camp is a, is available. It's on it's on YouTube now, I think. But it originally mm-hmm. it was originally recorded as like a Netflix documentary. Um, but like, you'll watch that, and I think like they do like a really good job of you know demystifying or de not demystif demyth demythifying. No, yeah, is it, sure. Is it we got it. Yeah, one of those words. Demystifying. Demis is demystifying. It sounds all I can think well, about. I don't think like, demythifying is a word. Demythifying is definitely. I just thought, all I thought about was when I said demystifying was like a cloud. Like a fog, no, like, uh, <laughs> but like a yeah. mist, uh, like a mist machine at like an amusement park or something like that. So I was like, that can't be right. But yeah, I think that, like it does do a really good job at like demystifying that sort of. And it also, I, and one of the reasons why I love, I thought that was incredible is because like it also showed the relationship between like disability politics and disability theory and disability studies, and also in relationship to like queer and also mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. like. Africana studies and like the relationship between all marginalized groups of people and how that sort of like intersects in those spaces as well. Yeah, like it's the it's high a, rates that Black women experience. Yeah, sec- childhood sexual abuse. Yeah, it's really it's really weird. terrifying. Yeah, and even then, I mean, like we can talk about like the the sexualization of Black men and like, yeah. how that sort of navigates those spaces. And then, like I think even when it goes to like int- like queer and transgender people and like porn as well, like. Like transgender people are, and I think the, like, Jasmine mentioned this on the last mm-hmm. podcast episode, but like the way that like transgender people are recorded in porn is is significantly harmful to, mm-hmm. the and they're also just portrayed a lot more than what is normal. What is like they are an, they are a fetishized group of people in those spaces, and they have to navigate that relationship in yeah complex ways. But yeah, I I, we're all, we're I you, think oh, wait, let me. I was gonna. Okay. I wanted to like. <laughs> I guess we could like finish it off with like, mm-hmm. I think when the effects of like when you have like not consented to something mm-hmm. and then it happens, mm-hmm. like dealing with that in the moment, like even in the moment, like the stress response, yeah. which is like the freeze, the flight, the yeah. fight, yeah, and even the fawn, yeah, where like you could experience all of those mm-hmm. in like one instance, you could, yeah, and like experience like flashbacks mm-hmm. to the point like like for me like I like I would like it did not take me long from like but I was talking about like with the touch like when I realized what was going on and then like got like scared mm-hmm. and like that was like my brain immediately froze yeah like I, w- I was like stuck in place and like yeah. I was not able to do anything yeah like I had expressed the boundary but like I at the moment like what was out I could not do anything yeah and then like I was like, I, I'm not really a fighter, so yeah. like, you can't really get me to like, honestly, like hit someone. I don't think mm-hmm. it's just not like me, mm-hmm. um, because I was I was also frozen. But then mm-hmm. obviously, like after that, I full lighted yeah. fast, yeah. and like I even fawned, because yeah. I, I was like trying to protect yeah. my safety, trying to get out of there fast. Yeah, and like the way that that gets misinterpreted. Yeah, like the way people like. Like, you could tell, like, yeah. something that happened, like, mm-hmm. a sexual, sexually traumatic experience to someone, mm-hmm. and they will still blame you. Yeah. And they will find a yeah. way to be like, well, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Or you should have said this. Yeah. Or why would you say that afterwards? Yeah. yeah. Like, not understanding how, like, stress responses in the moment affect mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Like, in the moment and over time. Over time, yeah. Especially, and, like, yeah, yeah definitely over time. Yeah. Because, like, when I, on campus, experienced, uh, like, I don't know. I'm not going to say the word because yeah. it's like kind of triggering. Don't worry. But, about it. um, <laughs> like, I 
thought immediately about like what happened to me when I was 17. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like that was all I could think about. Yeah. And like and that how that you. exacerbates like yeah. and just stays in your mind, it sticks with you. And again, I think with like cuz people who have grown up in like childhood abusive environments uh-huh. also experience this where it's like those reactions that you have to like 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 those moments that you had in the past, sometimes you can feel like you're back there. Yeah. And like I Genuinely, I think I, I, I need people to, to hear me when I say this because I've been getting into like lots of conversations around it. But like people disassociating yeah. in, in, in common social environments should uh-huh. not be treated as like them being disrespectful yeah. or them being mm. like, oh, they're not listening or they don't care about me. Like disassociation should be something that I think is like normalized in conversation and should be something that's like yeah. normalized in environments and normalized in the classroom setting, especially. Yeah. I was, I was ranting about my therapist about it recently because I disassociate a lot in class. I was, um, yeah. And I think, that, like, yeah, but, like, also, like, that's a that's a fair response. And there are, like, many reasons why that could happen. One of them being, like, neuroatypicality. The other one, of course, being, like, experiences of, like, trauma growing up. Or yeah. previous past experiences in, rela- in, in relationships. And, like, and then, yeah, another thing I wanted to, like, say that, like, we talked about, I don't know if you're there, mm-hmm. in Snaz's class was, like, Sometimes you can consent to being touched mm. and then realize that that is it did not affect you in the way you thought it would. Yeah. Mm. Like and then in that moment like having to backtrack and then the person being like, "Oh." Yeah. And like having like the willpower and the strength to say like, "Sorry, sorry." Yeah. Like not even sorry, but like, "No." Like yeah. actually no. Yeah. And like, yeah, I think another thing I think the most important thing that I learned from Dr. Schnauzer's class mm. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want to say, I don't know, like, I might have to, like, toy with it to make it, like, sound right in this context. Mm-hmm. But, like, even if you're, like, he said, even if you're enjoying something, mm-hmm. like, even if you enjoy something doesn't mean you weren't forced to do it. Yeah. So that makes me think about, like, relationships. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah. yeah. And, like, how a lot of people experience sexual trauma in relationships, yeah. even. Yeah. Because eventually, like, that communication starts to fade away. Yeah. I think like a really good thing that I've been trying to use when navigating relationships, and I don't know if Grace, you can speak on this as well, but like people are complicated and people don't need to know everything going into relationship. Like we can have continued Mm -hmm. conversations Mm -hmm. where like we explain our expectations, we explain our wants, but also those wants are allowed to change. And those wants probably will change as time goes on and as we like develop as human beings. I think that, like, the relationship of knowing what you want, especially, like, I, I, I'm someone who's, like, an avid people pleaser. And, uh-huh. like, I, I, there's there's politics around using that word that I don't want to go into right now, but we'll just take it as, like, a... I don't know. We'll take it yeah, pretty much basic for now. But, I like, you. I think that, like, as someone who, like, is... identifies as, like, a people pleaser and also, like, sees himself as one, like, I do think that, like, understanding what I want in relationships and understanding what I need is, like, always just, like like, so... It's so out there. Like, I, I, like the last therapy assessment I had, I was literally just like, I don't know like what I want like at all. Yeah. I've, I've never. Well, considered I would that. say a good seventy six point three percent of people don't know what they want. Exactly, and I was like, and they're like, they're generally, generally, no, I, I the was, majority. Yeah, but like, I do think that like I do think that like a lot of people struggle in considering like what what they want and to, like expect people to be able to like have that figured and out. And we're young. Exactly. It takes time to yeah. figure out what yeah. you want. Yeah. I think a I'm lot of so young happy people this, a so. lot of young people <laughs> a lot of young people are like expected to know what they want to do. Yeah. Like that is not realistic at all. Yeah. And like the American like mindset that you have to like pick a job and stick to it for the next 50 years of your life 
is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're getting off topic. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. Point, point, in, point in case. Take Next podcast. Time. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's just record the second one now. Uh, How work-life affects sex life. We, I mean, genuinely. Work-life balance. That would be a, a badass Sneak peek. Yeah, no, please. That would be, okay, but also, I just want to, case in point is that you should take Dr. Snazza's classes. Yes. Dr. Shout out Dr. Snazza. I know Dr. you're listening. Yeah, this is this is also yeah, no, Dr. Snazza an incredible human being. And Dr. Schneider. And, oh yeah. And Dr. Schneider too. We gotta get we gotta get And you know what? Dr. Mays. Dr. Mays Credit is where, where this, this came from. You, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. But I mean like it's just yeah. It's I don't know. We we're we're like approaching. Should I say time. the reading on touch that we read in Dr. Snazza's class yeah, that we I've can been do with? That. And also <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just had like something really crazy happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, um, I have to focus. But All right, also, I have to find the reading. We can also do something where like if 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 I'm not sure if any if there's any other topics that we want to touch on or anything like that. But maybe like right before we end, we could like just go like hey like like what do you, what do y'all think like what do you end on or something like that. Was it um, I think it it must have been Wild Blue Media, right? Uh no. No. Yeah. I have it in here. Well, I'll just, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll we figure can, like, it. link Wait, it in on. the bottom. I can, I, can, I can find it really, really fast. Yeah. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, you got it. Witness. How do we come to, oh, that is the chapter name. Well, we, we're we getting there. We're almost there. We're so close. Yeah. We appreciate y'all for listening into this. Yes, this is, thank you. This is what, this is what student-led podcasts are all about, right? <laughs> yeah. Who's the arguments? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're in Blackboard. Mm-mm. Because we read, we read, we read uh, the intro in chapter two. But didn't maybe that was you weren't. Oh, wait, maybe no, it, was it, was it was indifference. It was indifference. It was chapter, indifference. It was chapter four. Of chapter four of indifference. There you go. Read yeah, it. Read What's it. the author name again? Oh, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Dave. Dave. Yeah, and it's, then yeah. The name starts with an N. What is yeah. it? Yeah, N A I S A R. Nisargi Dave. Yeah. And then the yeah. book is called Indifference, Indifference, and this is specifically in reference to Chapter Four. Yes. Okay. Do, is there anything else that we want to touch on? Or I feel yeah, like I think we covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Good job, y'all. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for joining us for the podcast. Um, See you next time. Yeah, we'll be we'll be we'll be back.